Joshua chapter number 5. And uh, this is one of my wife's sermons. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I uh, do appreciate uh, uh, the, the men on our board thinking of us in that way. And, and I would say in, in lieu of that, I am appreciative of my wife. She does so much more than... Uh, um, than uh, really, she I really like to put on her, but it's just her heart and her desire to do so. And uh, uh, it is very true in ministry. Um, uh, there, sometimes um, uh, there can be so much more uh, appreciation, I guess you could say, and attention even that's brought to the pastor than there is a pastor's wife. And uh, so I'm very thankful for my wife. And uh, she's more than 50% of me, and uh, she holds me together. And uh, I know she'd say the same of me. I hold her together. We're, we know that God has us, has brought us together, and has us with one another. And and we are thankful and thrilled to serve the Lord together. And uh, sometimes in ministry, you go through things together as husband and wife. Uh, and um, it, it's things which you just you never really have ever thought you'd ever have to go through. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Thornton? You you've been there. And and uh, sometimes we'll conclude at the at the end of our discussion about something concerning the church and uh, we'll just say you know well we just we've never had to go through this before so it's not like uh, we really know how to deal with it and uh, and that's where you just find yourself on your knees before the Lord and just asking the Lord for wisdom and uh, for ability um, but um, I am thankful for uh, the Lord's uh, privilege of being able to be here as your pastor and uh, uh, it is I do not take that lightly and uh, um, it is no small thing by any means. And to follow in the, in the footsteps, should I say, of the foundation uh, which has already been built um, by Pastor Hoising and Pastor Hess and, and uh, their ministry and their past service to the Lord, uh, what an honor and privilege that is just the same. And I'm very thankful for that opportunity. Uh, Joshua chapter number 5. And um, I want to talk to you tonight uh, with a message which I've entitled, Keeping Your Camp Clean. Keeping your camp clean. Uh, it kind of connects to our uh, message this morning. If you weren't here this morning, I would encourage you to go back and, and listen uh, to um, this morning's message. We've started. I don't always do a book study or like to do a book study on uh, uh, Sunday morning, but I've, I've just felt led uh, the book of 1 Corinthians is a worthy um, book for us to uh, receive all that God has for us. And uh, so as we would press through that book, I would encourage you, come come along with us in that. There are so many things within that book. We talked much this morning even about the idea in the area of sanctification, and we'll touch on some of that tonight. Uh, but Joshua chapter 5 is um, the point and place where we find uh, the children of Israel who uh, the generation not that had been wandering in the wilderness, but the generation uh, that has come after them. Uh, Joshua has been risen up as the leader and he's leading now this new generation into the promised land. And it is just prior in chapter 4 that we find the stones. You remember the 12 stones that were left on one end of Jordan and on the other end of Jordan. And it is a question that is asked, what meaning of these stones? And verse 24 brings much of that conclusion of chapter 4 verse 24. He says that all the earth may know uh, the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. There's a transition that is getting ready to take place. There's a stepping over that is getting ready to take place. In chapter 5, it shows us that, uh, that preparation and that actual stepping uh, um, over into now that 
from Jordan to Gilgal, as we'll, we will see together. Uh, look with me in Joshua chapter 5, and yes, that is my son. Yeah, Joshua chapter 5, verse 9. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. The word Gilgal literally means rolling away. And it is at this point in time that we find uh, God rolling away the past life of the children of Israel and now beginning them and preparing them for a new life to be lived for Christ. Um, how hard it is to let go of the past. Uh, and especially even of a new generation that has come under that which they are holding on to of the past for some is little to none for others it's much of everything uh, but it's it's this transitioning stage and within this rolling over as God says as as we find of the children of Israel there are some things that uh, must first take place and uh, you know I, I have said this before but I believe our church Community Bible Church is in a transition stage. Uh, whether you have gotten used to Pastor Miller being here or not, we are still in transition. Uh, we have much of our church is uh, of its people, and the church is the people, are of a younger generation, and then the other half would be of an older generation. And the level of service is, I'm giving as much as I possibly can, and others are, in what areas do I have to give, or uh, if they're giving at all. And this is what we find in the children of Israel in their area of service where there was a new generation that was having to learn how to serve. And yet the older generation and that which uh, had been left of their legacy, there was a what to do and what not to do to learn from. And uh, could I say to, to you as your pastor, uh, if, you are, um, uh, uh, if you are not of the younger generation, should I say, within our church, uh, whether you call yourself a senior saint or uh, you're one of the old geezers or you're, you're over the hill or whatever you may categorize yourself to be, um, you are the backbone of Community Bible Church. I didn't hear many amens, but you are the backbone of Community Bible Church. You are holding all of everything that this church is together. You may consider uh, your capability maybe to be less than what it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. And at the end of the day, it is for all of us. The older we get, the less we are able to do. But it is not our service that is what we do that is so much measured before God, but it's, it's our heart of service to Him. You may not do the great amount of what some have done, but if you, in your heart of service to God, is right before Him and done out of a heart of love, that is what that is the the heart which we're talking about. That is the heart that uh, the the backbone of any church should have. That uh, I it is the desire of we as God's people that we would go forward with a a heart's intent for God to uh, uh, for God to use our. Um, foundation which we have been given I'm speaking to the older generation here the foundation which you have been given to then give to the younger generation that it would be passed on uh, understand we're not talking about um, you're passing on well this is what you know uh, I used to uh, clean this half of the platform and so uh, you know you clean this half of the platform too because uh, you're my child you know that's not that's we're not talking about those areas of, of passing on but the heart of service being passed on. 
And uh, it was at fault to the children of Israel that we would find so much of that heart that was given. Because you remember, their heart had turned rather to hardness before God. When God had given them the promised land, they looked at the land without any faith in God and said, what, bring us back to Egypt. They were ready to go back to the old life, back to the life of slavery. And it was then that that generation was uh, left to wander within the wilderness. But now a new generation comes under. Again, we apply this to ourselves as Christians, to our church as a whole. Uh, as a new generation coming under, how do we uh, respond within the transition? As a new, uh, uh, with, even with new leadership coming in, as a new pastor uh, coming in. And yes, I'm still new uh, and, and new at this. Uh, how do we respond in these things? And we find that of the children of Israel, a new leader, a new land, a new generation, everything's just completely different than it was. And while some would think this is how we should do it this way, yet God has a specific way in which it is to be done. Amen? And uh, we are told uh, within this passage of Scripture how to keep the camp clean. You understand that it is in verse 9 that they, uh, the Bible says, He rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. And it is in Gilgal that they camped because we see now a rolling over, a passing from the old life, from the life which was once uh, on the other side of Jordan to now a new life in Christ. You know the Christian life is full of a series, it is a life of new beginnings. And there is always new things uh, that happen within the Christian life, new things we face, uh, new, new things we have to learn how to face, uh, new things that God brings us through within the Christian life journey and, and uh, for us to um, view the Christian life as though there will not be anything new is really evidence of the fact that we are not willing to see anything new. Um, the Bible tells us that God rolled away that past life. You know, as Christians, we must be willing to roll away. We must be willing to put off the past, not that that which has happened in the past is to be ignored, is to be forgotten. Uh, there are many things of the past that are to be remembered, but we cannot hold on to the past and expect ourselves to uh, encamp in Gilgal, come into the promised land to receive all the blessings of God that he has for us if we are still holding on to all these things. You see, it is in Joshua chapter 6 that we find uh, the land of Jericho that is getting ready to be possessed by the children of Israel. Uh, this is a great blessing, but the, the blessing of Jericho cannot be had until we are willing to move from uh, and past the Jordan. Until we are willing to move from the past life now into a new life with Christ. We could apply that to ourselves individually just the same. That we are not living the life of the old man, but that we are living a new life in Christ. Ephesians 4, putting off the old man, putting on the new man. Amen? And that we would uh, let ourselves uh, every day continue to grow in the, the new blessings, but yet within the, the truth of God's Word, that it would become so fresh to us that it, would, that it would feed the desires to not live how I used to live, but now a new life in Christ. It is God's intent for we as His people that we would encamp in Gilgal, but that we would do so keeping it clean. Notice verse number 2 if you would. How do we keep the camp clean? Verse 2, the Bible tells us there must be, first of all, a removing of your sins of the flesh. As again, we talked about this morning, that very idea of sanctification. In verse 2, the Bible says, At that time the Lord said unto Joshua, 
make the sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. Now, this is not to say that there's a second circumcision taking place of the same people. It is to say that this new generation has not been circumcised. Uh, and, and it is that reason for circumcision, that removing of the flesh that we apply to our lives, that if we are ever to find ourselves in Gilgal and out of Jordan, we must remove all desires of the flesh. You see, that was the very idea of circumcision. It was an outward testimony of an inward change. It was not just for outward uh, purification, but yet it was also for identity and spiritual purification of the individuals. And it is, although we do not find it as a command for Christians today, yet it was a command of the children of Israel at that time because it identified them with God. And it was only until that they removed of their flesh and could, that they could now successfully uh, come into this promised land that God intended to give to them. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 11, we find God referring to not that physical circumcision, but the spiritual circumcision. The Word of God says this, Colossians 2 verse 11, "...in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands." in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In other words, we should be crucifying the circumcision of Christ. We should be crucifying the flesh, putting to death the flesh, removing of the flesh. You know, oftentimes it is we who are afraid. We are afraid of what God would remove from our life. That's the very reason why uh, we have a hard time moving from the Jordan into Gilgal is because we are afraid of what part of our flesh that we have to let go of. That's the reason why people are afraid of joining a church. That's the reason why uh, some are afraid of, of um, in joining in marriage and following God's way of, of marriage. Uh, why that people are uh, afraid of even surrendering their life to God. It's because they're afraid of commitment. And they're afraid of what of my flesh do I have to let go of. You see, in order for the Christian to be able to live in that new life which God intends for us to live, putting off the old man, we must be willing to circumcise the flesh. We must be able to uh, remove of any fleshly desires within our life. Notice the process for removal. Verse 3, the Bible says, Joshua made him sharp eyes and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill uh, of the foreskins. And so uh, we understand that... Um, it is God's desire that we be spiritually circumcised. Number two, the people for removal. Verse six, for the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness to all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. Look at verse seven. And the children whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised. The people for removal were, were those uh, who were of this next generation. Can I speak to the younger generation today as I just spoke to the older? You may not be, as some would call, the backbone, but it is you who will someday be the backbone. But you can never be uh, and dwell within the promises, dwell within the blessings of God's intended point for your life and your family, which some of you have soon to be had. And I put myself in that category just the same. Uh, the, you can never arrive at that point and, and enjoy all the blessings that God has for you until you remove of the flesh. You've got to remove of your desires first. You've got to be willing to say, God, I'm giving you all of my life and all of what I was and all of what I am in my very being, my sinful nature is being put away. I'm putting it off 
and I'm, I'm choosing to live the sanctified life. Remember, it is God who sees us as sanctified. We are set apart as holy, but we have to choose to live a life of holiness. Again, we are not just talking about blatant sins, but it is fleshly desires. Fleshly desires. Sometimes it is the very good things that as a fleshly desire become sin because it's drawing us away from God. The Bible tells us there must be a removal of flesh. And the people for removal, it is the next generation that God desires to use. If you are a teenager here tonight, I know we've got a couple of you here and there. Uh, you are a teenager, raise your hand. You're a teenager, okay? All right. If you are in your, your 20s, uh, mid-20s, raise your hand. You're in your mid-20s, okay? We've, we've got a bunch of you. You are the next generation, okay? I saw a couple of you raise your hand. You're not in your mid-20s. But uh, you may feel like you are, but that's okay, all right? Uh, the, the Bible tells us that we, you are the next generation. It is you that God desires and intends to use. And it, it is you that must examine your life and ask the Lord, what is it that I need to remove so that, so that I can be prepared to cross over? So that I can be prepared to encamp in, the Gil in Gilgal. Uh, some of us are so ready to encamp, we're so ready to camp ourselves in one place, that, uh, but, but we haven't removed any of our flesh. And, and, and it is not until, again, that God can bless that we first remove of our flesh. So. The Bible tells us the process for removal, the people for removal. Number three, the purpose for removal. Keep your finger in Joshua and turn with me to Genesis chapter 17. Um, some of you would know this passage of Scripture. Uh, other of you, maybe not so. It is important for us to understand that circumcision uh, is, is um, mentioned all throughout Scripture because it is uh, a command and an identity of God. And it is Genesis chapter 17 that we find uh, one of many of those times, but really one of those very first times that circumcision is mentioned and what it is mentioned towards. Uh, chapter 17 and verse number 11. Actually, look at verse 10. The Bible says, This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you, and thy seed after thee. Every man-child among you shall be circumcised. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man-child in your generation. He that is born in the house or brought with money of any stranger which is not of thy seed, he that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. I bring your attention to the beginning of verse 11 where the Bible says circumcise the flesh of your foreskin and then the end of verse number 13 where the Bible says my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Uh, we see the purpose of removal. God's law of separation. It was, a, it was circumcision that separated the Israelites from the other nations. It was now a, a point and purpose of identity. They, those who were circumcised were identified as God's people. It is for that reason why you study the historical books and the Bible talks about those who were uncircumcised, the uncircumcised Philistines, because they were not identified with God. There was not an, an, uh, uh, an inward change, uh, an outward a choice of an outward change of an inward change that God had also taken place also. And so um, uh, the purpose for removal is with the understanding again that there must be a crucifixion of the flesh. You know, the unfortunate thing is, is, is um, for some Christians, they have a hard time wanting or being able to identify with God. They don't want to identify with God. 
Today, we, again, it is not that the, the covenant which God has made to us, circumcision was necessary and identity was necessary at that time because Christ had not yet been crucified. But the Lord tells us that all those things are no longer that the, 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 um, all the law that the children of Israel had once held to, those things are now past. And it is after Christ's crucifixion, we understand our purpose for removal is to identify with God. That we would be identifying with Him in how we dress, in the music we listen to, in the places we go, in the people we spend time with, in the words that we use, in, in our faithfulness to God's house. And on and on and on we could go. It, it, identifying with God is that removing of the flesh to say, I'm choosing not to do these things, to remove these things from my life, in order and so that I can better identify with Christ. I am one of God's people. I desire to be known as one of God's people. And... Um, it is if we are living in uh, uh, Gilgal that the past life should be rolled away and the life desire, the, the fleshly desires should be cut off. They should be removed. And so we understand keeping the camp clean, coming from that point of Jordan into Gilgal is a, a removing of the sins of our flesh. Number two, there must be a refocusing of your worship. Look at back at Joshua and chapter 5 and verse number 8. The Bible tells us, and it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. There is a refocusing, a refocusing. Number one, we find a renewing of their fellowship. It was not until they took the time to abide in the camp to rest themselves, to prepare themselves, that, then they were, that they were then going to be ready for battle. That they were then going to be ready to step into Jericho to do as God had called them and was leading them to do. And staying in the camp is what brought them uh, back to full strength. It is God's desire that when we remove of our flesh that we stay abiding in the camp. And should I say the camp that is found in Christ. Amen. Uh, the, the camp that is found among God's people in obedience to Him and living that new life in Christ. Number two, remember your deliverance. Verse 10, the Bible says, And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. It is the Passover uh, that we know to be a worship to God in remembrance of His deliverance into the promised land. You remember the Passover that took place on the very first uh, time in the book of Genesis or the book of Exodus and um, that Passover of God passing over the land and all those uh, that were of the firstborn within the land were, uh, were God took their life unless the children of Israel in this case had put the blood up over their doorposts and it was at that point in time you go back and read the passage the Bible tells us that I am making a covenant God made the command and that this is to be a remembrance this day is to be a remembrance of the promise that I am giving to all of my people that I will, that I will bring them into the land of promise, into that land of blessing. It is God's desire that He would give us, that He would bring us to that land of blessing. But it is only until we remove our flesh and we keep ourselves in the camp, 
Keep yourself faithful to God's Word. Keep yourself faithful in your prayers. Keep yourself faithful in God's house, in the house of God, amongst God's people, letting yourself grow in Christ, a refocusing of your worship. We remember our worship is not just found in the house of God, but our worship is to be every day and every moment of our lives. So the Bible tells us, renew your fellowship, rest yourself, find peace in the camp, in the things of God. Uh, remember your deliverance. Remember, in, as the children of Israel did in this Passover, remember what God has done for you and His promises and let yourself by faith believe that God can do uh, above and beyond whatever we ask or think. In verse 12, the Bible says, And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten, eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. It is when we choose to renew our fellowship, we remember our deliverance, that we can then receive God's blessing. And it is the fruit that they are now giving. God will give uh, each of us and each of, uh, um, uh, each of us as God's people a fruitful life when we recognize Him as our center of worship. You see, the reason why I'm removing of my flesh is, because, is out of and because of and as a result of my worship towards God. And my refocusing in worship is by allowing myself to be uh, renewed in my fellowship with the Lord and amongst God's people, remembering the promises of God and receiving wholeheartedly the blessings as, he gives, as God gives them to me. Uh, number three, the Bible tells us we are to, as we've already seen, remove the sins of your flesh, refocus your worship, and number three, recognize your inability. In verse 13, the Bible says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? We find Joshua in verse 14 coming to the place of surrender to God, recognizing his power, recognizing his inability. It is Joshua who is speaking for the people as a leader. And we can learn in our own very lives that our response to God, when God brings us from and across the Jordan from the old life into the new life with Christ, in the midst of a transition that, that we are letting go of the old, we're now holding on to Christ uh, looking, keeping our eyes on the prize, looking, um, looking at Christ continually, looking unto Jesus. That's what the words I'm thinking of. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Keeping our eyes upon Him, recognizing our inability. Uh, verse 14, the Bible says, And He said, Nay, but as a captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth. We first see reverence to God respectfully. There must be a reverence to God respectfully. His posture before the Lord was of reverence. Um, uh, sometimes in our very posture before God uh, does not acknowledge before Him our inability. The reason why we, in an invitation, is uh, give opportunity for people to come before God is not just because it's the only time that we come to God is in the house of God. And it's not just because that's the only time that we are to respond to God, but it's also for a point in a, uh, of teaching and learning to us as God's people that this is the proper way that we come before God. We come before Him in reverence, in respect before Him, because we are unworthy. We are unable without God. And this is what we find Joshua acknowledging. It, the Word of God continues, Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship. 
There was no hesitation. There was a readiness to, to serve the Lord, to worship the Lord. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4, the Bible says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And it is only until we recognize that it is nothing in our power that brings us to a successful Christian life, but it is only when we recognize the power of God and our inability and what He can do through us and uh, as a result of our choosing to remove of our flesh and to, uh, and to recognize uh, our inability before Him and to refocus our worship upon Him. The Bible tells us there must be a reverence to God respectfully. It must be a reverence to God readily. We are ready to worship God at any point in time. And number three, a reverence to God selflessly. A reverence, reference to God selflessly. Verse 14, the Bible says, Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto the servant? What he's saying before God is, I'm willing to do whatever you call for me and ask for me to do. We find Joshua in this state and point of humility. Uh, it's not about me. This Christian life is not about what I had to do. It is you who's brought me to where I'm at. Whether old or young today, as a part of God's people, uh, as the children of Israel were the same, let us understand that it is only because of God that we are where we are today. Amen? Amen. And it is those things that should not uh, draw us to any other point than a point of humility before God, an acknowledgement before Him to say, God, I'm so unworthy. God, I'm willing to do whatever that you would ask. The, the application tonight is that we would understand that um, this must be the heart of all of us as God's people. A willingness before God to say, God, whatever you call, whatever you ask for me to do, I'll do it. Whatever you would intend for me to do, I will do. But we cannot be prepared to that point in life until we remove the flesh. Until we refocus our worship. We remain within the camp. We get into God's Word. We get in our prayer life. We get amongst God's people. Uh, we, we get into the house of God. We let ourselves be faithful to the Lord and what He has called us to. And it is then as God brings the blessings and He gives us the fruit of that new life that is found in Christ, of that life that is found when pursuing Christ, when identifying with Christ, when loving Christ in our worship, that we can embrace those blessings. We can uh, be enjoyed within the blessings that God gives. Um, sometimes we can expect so much of uh, God when we've given to God so little. Uh, we've not been willing to remove, uh, we've not been willing to strip away, to cut off, uh, to get rid of. Um, it is God who in the very picture that we find in Joshua 5, who as the Bible tells us, get these sharp knives that God himself, we could really put it in this sense, spiritually has knives that he desires to remove of things of our life. Christian, what is it that's keeping you from serving God and embracing and enjoying the blessings that God intends for you? What is it that God is intending to remove out of your life that you're holding back? The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 that we are to put away what lies, anger, stealing, corrupt communication, malice. He goes on and on of all these sins. Psalm 51 verse 10, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. It should be the desire of the Christian that we are continually asking the Lord, Create in me a clean heart. That as I am within the camp, 
that I can enjoy the blessings that you bring. That as you would bring me through the Jericho, that I'm trusting in you. I'm in Abel. And that is, that is the, uh, the, the, the proving of God's strength and God's ability. When Joshua comes to this point in his life that he says, Whatever you ask me to do, whatever you say, Lord, I'll do it. That we read Joshua 6 and, and God says, Okay, don't use any of your mighty men. <laughs> Get, get, your, uh, get your victuals out and get your trumpets out and this is how you're going to win the battle. And it is when we find that, that we are nothing, that God uses even the smallest things of life to bring us to the points of success within the Christian life. And so um, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 31, the Bible tells us, uh, as Paul said, I die daily. And this is what I believe we can find of, of Joshua is a choice to die to self. The Christian life, it's not about me. I've got to be willing to remove my flesh, to focus my worship upon God, and to give God uh, the, the respect which He deserves, acknowledging before Him that I am enabled. Galatians 5, verse 16, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You want to enjoy all the blessings that God intends for you to uh, enjoy within that new life, within, within uh, the... Christian life, should we say, and the new life I'm saying is the life which is a life of series of new beginnings. A life which is not a life of the past, but a new life that is found in Christ. If we want to enjoy these things, we must allow ourselves to be following the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. Uh, who's, when He places us under the point of conviction that we say, okay Lord, cut those things out of my life. Remove those things out of my life. Okay Lord, this is what you desire for me to do. I'll do it. This is what you've called me to do. I'll do it. Whatever it would be, whatever you would have for me to do. And we're doing it with a reverence before God, not with questioning. We talked about just this past Wednesday. It was Moses who, when God called to the point of leadership, that he questioned God's calling to his life. It is, it is not to be uh, that we are questioning as though God cannot use us. Because God can use, as we see in Joshua 6, even the most, as, the, as even the world would call them, the foolish things, even the smallest things. To accomplish his will. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, as we've looked at this morning, where the world would call uh, some things foolish, yet God uses the foolish things to accomplish his work. Um, there's so much within this passage of Scripture, but it's all through the book of Joshua that we find a pattern for a victorious Christian life. And if we are ever to find victory in our Christian life, we have to be willing to let go of the past. We've got to be willing to let go of the life of sin. We've got to be willing to let go of even the times that God had blessed and not just hold on to only those blessings. You see, the, the children of Israel uh, could have acknowledged at that point in time, yes, God brought us out of Egypt. And that was a good thing. And yet, although they came to that point where they said, let bring us back into Egypt, yet if you read the passage, they actually said, you know what, we go back on what we just said. We, we want to go into the promised land. They acknowledge what God had done. But you see, in all that God has done in our, in our past, that can't be what we hold on to. We bring this to our church. <laughs> what is it that we need to let go of? What is it that God is trying to strip us away from? In what areas uh, are, is it going to help us to better focus our worship upon Him? For some of us, maybe it's just that we need to stay in the camp. We need to get into the camp and just let God work. For others of us, it's, it, maybe it's not a willingness of spirit. The last time that we've gotten on our knees before God and said, 
whatever you tell me to do, whatever you ask, Lord, I'll do it, has been a time which we've forgotten. What, what is our heart before Christ? It is God's desire that we would be able to go from Jordan into the promised land. Let's every head bowed and every eye closed. Could I pray for